so seriously, I just want to use that as an example that we, we try to serve Jesus and then just life happens. And I think God laughs a lot more at us than what we laugh about the circumstances that we are in. Because he isn't offended that we failed. He isn't mad that we messed up again. He's just laughing because he knows what's in our heart. I don't mean he's laughing at the bad stuff that happens to us. I just, you know what I mean. He's laughing at the way we laugh at our kid that's learning how to use a spoon or learning how to walk and they fall down. And <laughs> that was so funny. I think God is much more relaxed and much more gracious about our attempts to serve him than we are about our own attempts to serve him. God is relaxed. He is happy. He is laughing. He's having a good time watching us live our lives and the things that we think went wrong in uh, I wanted to do this, but it didn't work out, or I tried to serve him in this way and it flopped, or I had this problem or trouble. He's really not upset about it. And he's much more gracious and pleased with us than we are. I want to show you this verse from Acts. JoLynn will put it on the screen. This is Acts 9. This is the story of Peter raising Dorcas from the dead. Here's the story. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And when the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him to not delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when, Peter, when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive and it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord. So we got this woman and she's apparently a, a, a widow, one of the older women, and she dies. And they call Peter, come and pray. You can raise her from the dead, which he does, but that's not my point here. My point here is that her friends and the people of well, her church, essentially, the other believers in their city who knew her are weeping and they are showing Peter the shirts she has sewn for them. Her crocheting made it into the eternal word of God. Come on. Okay, obviously that's not the point of the story, but it's in there and it's mentioned because it's important. Because that is how she had served her friends was sewing clothes for them. And that's what she meant to them. That's what she had done for them. That's how she loved them. So that's what they were in mourning about was this is who she was. And it says she was full of charitable deeds and good works. And it's important enough to her friends that that's what they show Peter 
about her, and it's important because it's important to them. It was important enough to God to mention it in His eternal Word. We know nothing about her life other than she sewed clothes because she loved her Christian friends. Do you see where this is going to go here? All right. The things that we may think are small and insignificant, if it means love to somebody else, it is eternally important to God. I mean, I don't know that it was crocheting. Maybe it was embroidery or knitting. Who knows? But this woman did what she loved to do in real love for other people and gave it away, and God writes that as the eternal record of the meaning of her life. Everything we do in real love is eternally significant. Check this out from Philippians. Paul is writing the church in Philippi about an offering that they sent to him and he's thanking them for the money that they sent to pay for the expenses of his trip. And they sent it with a young man named Epaphroditus. He was the FedEx guy that delivered the offering money from the church to the missionary. So he says, I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all. So with this letter, he's sending it back with Epaphroditus, and he said, I'm sending him back to you. Thank you for sending the money with him. And I knew that you were distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was all sick almost to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that you will see him again, that you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. So Epaphroditus is the delivery boy with the offering bag to go to, from the church of Philippi to wherever Paul was. I think he was in prison at this time in another city. And they brought him the money to pay for his missionary trip. And on the trip, Epaphroditus gets sick and almost dies. He recovers, and now he, Paul is sending him back with this letter that we call the book of Philippians. And Paul says, hold this man in high esteem. He almost died for the gospel. Well, no, he didn't. He got sick while he was on the mission trip. But he did. Paul said, the word of God, God says he almost gave his life for my gospel. What was he doing? He was delivering money to a missionary. Come on now. Do you see it? it? It seems like he's probably the low guy on the totem pole at the church. So yeah, we'll send Epaphroditus. <laughs> he can run the money up to Paul and uh, the rest of us will hold down the fort at the church. And Paul, when he sends him back, says, this guy is almost a martyr for the gospel. Hold him in high esteem. It's not just Paul. It's the Word of God. Hold men like this in high esteem. Do you know that Jake, when he was in Burma, got dengue fever? I'm not exactly sure what dengue fever is, but I know it's bad. They went on a seven-week mission trip. Jake spent three of those weeks in the hospital with severe symptoms we will spare you the details of. In God's view, that mission trip is absolutely not a failure. The rest of the team went on and did their work, and Jake laid in a hospital bed with a fever, and 
whatever else. And God says, hold men like this in high esteem because he almost died for the gospel. Because if he hadn't gone to the jungles of Burma, he wouldn't have got dengue fever. He laid his life down before he left. Come on. Everything we do in real faith and real love really counts. Even if from an earthly perspective, it looks like a total flop. God is laughing. You're making him happy. He is pleased that you want to serve and that you are trying. More of you should be much more happy to hear this than you are. Whatever you do in real faith and real love, God is really pleased. This woman sewed shirts and God records that as her Christian service in His eternal work. Epaphroditus gets sick on a mission trip, a delivery mission to the missionary. And God says, highly honor people like this. Sometimes I think about the people in the background of the Bible stories, I often want to think about the mom who packed the boys' lunch of five loaves of bread and three fish, or vice versa, whatever it was. Jesus, in this crowd of thousands of people, nobody had a lunch except one little boy who had a conscientious mom, apparently. Well, no, son, you can't go hear the preacher all day without a little lunch. Here, let me pack this. I guarantee you she had zero spiritual reasons and no forethought that there was going to be some massive miracle result from her packing her little boy's lunch. She just did what a good mom would do, and the boy traipsed off down to hear the local preacher, and a miracle results that changes the nation and is recorded in the eternal Word of God, she isn't even mentioned, but she, her testimony, is known all over the world. What did she do? She had enough thought to pack her son a lunch. Because that's what moms do. The things that we would think are little and insignificant or unimportant or flops, and I tried to serve and I just fell out of the boat, and got myself wet. God is very, very, very pleased. And very happy. And very thankful. You're like, God, my life is a bloopers reel. I tried to pray for that healing and nothing happened. I tried to teach the little kids class and it was a disaster. I tried to make supper for the sick person and I burned it. God, what do I do for your kingdom? Whatever you do in obedience to Him, in faith toward Him, and in real love for other people has eternal reward. Check out this scripture from 1 Thessalonians. We urge you, brethren, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. It is God's command that we work and we earn our own money. So having a job to earn money and pay bills is not only the responsible thing to do, it is obedience to God. And so, since your job is a gift from God, it is a command of obedience to God, and it is your responsibility in life, Jesus says, that is serving me. Check this out. From Ephesians 6. The words here are 
servants and masters. I've changed them to employees and employers because we don't have servants and masters in our day, but here we go. Employees, be obedient to those who are your employers with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Whether you have a low job or a high job, whether you have a low paying job or a high paying job, Jesus says, when you work it from the heart toward me in real faith, and you're honestly giving your employer what he or she is paying you for, you're serving me. Especially if your job is where I have placed you, and I will reward you with eternal reward for being a hairstylist, or a florist, or a cake baker, or a farmer, or a crane operator, or a truck driver, or a college student. Well, how is that serving God? He says it is. He says you serve your employer hard. Do it not just, I service means not just when the boss is around looking. <laughs> you do a good job all the time. Like you are serving me. Just reporting and clocking in and doing the daily grind doesn't count. If we're serving your somebody else like you would work if it was Jesus who was your boss, then Jesus is your boss. And he says, I, will re I have eternal reward for you. Because that's your calling, that's your assignment in life, it's where I've placed you to have made you to be, and you are obeying me. When you drive a train, or you're a stay-at-home mom, or a school teacher, or whoever you are. There's a verse in Colossians that says almost the same thing. Employees, obey in all things your employers, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. For you serve the Lord Christ. Seriously, Mitch, does Jesus need computer programmers? Apparently he does. Because he says that when you work your job at the post office or ODOT, you are serving Jesus. And he will reward you for obeying him. I had a pastor this week tell me something that it didn't make me personally upset with him, but I, I do not like the thinking. And I just passed this story on to you. He was, this pastor was telling me of his problems in his church. He had four elders and three of them left and split the church and started, planted another church right across town and pulled the church apart. It was ugly. And then he got cancer, which he's totally healed. He's completely healthy, but just had a really, really rough time. And, and so the church failed, his body failed, his marriage was having trouble, and he was talking to me at some length about having to die to his need to succeed. He said, I'm 50 years old, and my, I've grown a church from 175 to 50. <laughs> and he said, I was battling cancer, and, and he was just listing all these failures. And he said, I just had to die to this need to succeed, and what have I accomplished? And it, you know, just this midlife crisis that really was truly an absolute crisis uh, in his life. And, and he went on past his problems, and we just talked about this identity thing that, 
we were talking about some other pastor friends and people can have an identity in, in their work or and with preachers it's in, it's in what have we accomplished and how many people have we saved and how good are we preaching on a Sunday morning and it was a preacher conversation so that's what we're talking about and later on I, I said you know what I don't feel any of that at all I feel no pressure whatsoever because uh, my identity is in my relationship with God and if I wasn't the pastor I would be just as happy I love my job and I love preaching, but if I was back in Missouri farming with my dad or if I was a cattle rancher, I wouldn't care. I, in fact, that'd be exciting because I get to be alone all day with God. That would be great. And uh, he just looked at me really strange and he said, seriously, you could, you would be happy? And I said, well, I, uh, don't get it wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I love, love, love preaching. I love my job and I love my people, and I'm not quitting, but that's just the assignment God's given me right now, and it's not my identity. And he said, I don't know if I could quit because I just I just don't know if I could quit building the kingdom of heaven. And I just, it's like every person in my church is building the kingdom of heaven. And every person in your church is building the kingdom of heaven. You just said that your job is more spiritual than theirs when Jesus said, whatever job you do, you're serving me. And if God told me that this season of my life is over and now I want you to go be a cattle rancher, if I don't obey, I am disobedient. And when I do obey, I am more holy in the saddle than I am in the pulpit. Hello? I said, if God tells me Quit preaching and go be a cattle rancher. I am more holy in the saddle than I am in the pulpit after that. If I was to get in a saddle, I'd have a lot to learn. <laughs> My saddle has uh, 102 cubic inches underneath it and roars. That's my kind of saddle. But anyway, if you are doing what God has given you to do, you are exactly in the right place. You are perfectly in His will. He is smiling and happy with you. And whatever you are doing in real faith and real love is eternal. Even if it seems like the daily grind, it seems like I'm falling out of the boat over and over again. He's laughing. He's enjoying you. He loves you. You're not less spiritual than Jake or Mitch or Josh. Amen. Amen. Next scripture. Hebrews 10. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees everything you do in real love whether that is you get a chance to preach or teach a class or pray for deliverance or healing, or whether you are just making lasagna for the person that just got out of the hospital or just had a baby, or whether you are just going to visit Lorraine in the nursing home, or you're going to spend time with other Christian family friends and encourage each other have a nice meal together or you crochet hats and give them away 
the native kids in Manitoba. Some of those things are fun, and some of them, like teaching little lions, require some prep and maybe some discipline and frustration. Others are trial and error, like how do I pray for people? I'm nervous. I could never do that sort of thing, and God sees it all. Whatever you do, do it with all your might and do it in real faith like you are doing it for Jesus. And your life is holy, your life is productive, and you are serving Jesus. And He is pleased, no matter what the blooper reel we will all see in heaven. He is pleased, He is happy, He is laughing, and He's thankful that you are honestly and humbly doing your best to get it right and to serve Him. God is pleased with your crocheting and your cooking, your cleaning toilets, or holding babies in the nursery, or whatever it may be. He sees and He knows, and there is eternal reward. God is not unjust. He sees what you try to do. He sees what you do. He knows your heart. He knows why you're doing it and why you want to do it. And He sees that you want to serve people. He sees you want to take care of people. He sees you want to love His church and your fellow Christians. And He will not forget. And there is a reward. But see, you read that verse and you think, oh yeah, ministry to the saints. That's that's me praying for deliverance. That's me raising the dead. That's me healing the sick. That's me preaching. That's me going on a mission trip. Amen, amen, yes, yes, yes. But the example in Acts is, she made us these clothes. We loved her so much. She was such an awesome friend. Come on now. The example in the Philippians is, the guy delivered the bank bag to Paul and almost died and Paul says, this is one of the rock stars of the kingdom of heaven. Honor this guy. God is not unjust. That he will, he will remember what you do. If that's just cooking a lasagna for somebody that just got out of the hospital. Or you're prepping a lesson for the little lions class. Or you go hold babies in the nursery. Or you put in your practice time for the worship team. Or you just call somebody you know is having a bad day and say, hey, I was praying for you this morning. I want you to know I care and I prayed for you. Do you know how huge that is sometimes? Sometimes that is literally life-saving to people. And you think, that was really nothing. In fact, we think it's nothing so much that a lot of times you don't do it when you should. But God knows whose heart you just saved. Who was on the verge of despair and you just filled them with encouragement again? They just needed somebody to show them kindness. To give them a hug. To tell them Jesus loves them. You're not a failure. You're not unspiritual. You're not not doing ministry. Work your job and love the people there and your family and whoever else is around and you come in contact with at Starbucks or Safeway. Man, I'm not really accomplishing anything. It's huge when it's done in real faith and real love. God says, I highly honor you. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged.
you're in the right place, doing the right thing, keep doing it. If you want to transfer, ask Jesus for a transfer. Totally fine. <laughs> ask for a transfer. Find out where He wants you. Get there and work it with all your heart, with all your strength. Serve Him. Know that He's happy. He's laughing, even at the bloopers reel. The stuff that you thought was going to be a big deal and it turned out it wasn't. The thing you thought was a failure, the thing you thought was completely unimportant and you just did it because you had to. God is pleased. Very, very pleased. There are some things that we do for God and other people that we like. There's other things that are work. And there's other things that we tried and we think we completely flopped. I fell out of the boat right on my face. God's having a good time. He loves you dearly. He's very pleased. Thank you, Jesus, for your encouragement. Thank you for your trust. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, I bless each person here in the identity that you've made them to be, in the job that you've called them to do and given them their hands to do, Lord. I bless them that they prosper in their work. Um, may you uh, promote them and increase them, Lord, as they're good workers and responsible employees. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would move people who are struggling or who don't like where they're at, Lord. I pray that you would move them to where they need to be at the right time. And that you will prosper all that we do, Lord, as we serve people in your name. As we treat our bosses as we would treat you. As we take the work that you have given us to do and see it that it really is your work. I bless each person here, Lord. I speak peace and grace over every heart and mind and soul, and body here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.